0: When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA Safe Pilot, you'll feel like
1: a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA Safe Pilot. Restrictions apply.
0: Hello. Welcome to episode 62 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Patreon supporters. Thank you. I'm your host, Bethany, and today's special guest is Leah from
1: YA Chat Podcast. Hey, everybody. Hi.
0: So how are you doing, Miss Leah?
1: I am doing good. I am... um Just got back from a little bit of a trip to see some family, and we are settling back in, and now I'm getting ready um, to start a new job, so it's a little crazy, but things are good. New jobs are exciting and also, like, intimidating, and... Yes. This one is definitely intimidating, because I'm going to be a middle school theater teacher, and... um, with the current situation, it's going to be an interesting first year of teaching. <laughs> that, <laughs> sounds, that sounds like such a fun job, though. It will be. I'm excited about it.
0: <laughs> I remember my first theater audition was for Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Oh, and wow. everyone had to do the same audition. Everybody had to sing the a lovely night song. Um, mm. And you, got, you had to pull something out of a hat. And that was how you were supposed to sing the song. Oh, and goodness. I pulled out cheerleader, so I had to sing the song <laughs> as a cheerleader. And then my my friend who went after me got, uh, I think she got um, Undertaker, so she had to sing the song as if she were an Undertaker's, like so all you know somber. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah and i remember, I music, I remember this was like my very first audition for anything and i remember going up there and he was like okay so you're gonna sing the song i was like yep because i'd been practicing i was ready to go i was so excited he's like okay and i was like what's the hat for <laughs> <laughs> and i pulled out cheerleader and i was like i i i don't i don't know what to do and he's like you're gonna sing the song to me as if you were a cheerleader And luckily, I actually was a cheerleader
1: uh, in junior high. So I knew a little bit about what to do. (laughs) Oh, I am totally going to use that audition technique now. That is a really (laughs) good idea.
0: (laughs) It was really funny. Uh, You could definitely tell the people that were like super nervous and the people that were like just all in. Like I just went all in Mm -hmm. for it. I'm goofy. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm I'm not going to half ass it. No, you could definitely tell people that were like really nervous and shy about it. And it was a little awkward for them. And I think that's probably what the exercise was supposed to reveal. Yeah. You know, was who was going to be able to go out there and just give it their all and who was going to need
1: a little bit more coaxing. Exactly. A little bit more training. Yep. It would definitely help with that. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you reading right now? What are you currently reading? Okay, so I just finished the third book in the um an ember in the ashes series and i am it was really 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 good i loved that whole series but the fourth one doesn't come out till december so now i have to wait to see how it's going to end <laughs> so in the meantime um i just last night actually just started reading caraval by stephanie garber and i am really excited to read it because i've heard really good things about it and i think i'm going to really enjoy it so yeah so that's what i'm reading
0: I uh, have been trying to read Care of All, but life has been horrible. Aww. So um this weekend I had planned on trying to start reading it again. So oh nice. We can message each other and see how we're doing. <laughs> That's right. And then we can so chat about it. I started reading it several months ago and then like I had to stop for one thing or another and then I would read like a chapter and then something would happen and I wouldn't be able to read. So Uh, I finally just bought the other two books and then I was like, all right, so when I have the time, I'm just going to binge
1: all three books and just read them straight through. (laughs) That would be good. I like when I have the time to do that. I don't always right now because of featuring some on the podcast. So I have to like be able to have time to read what I want to for the podcast and then go back to the sequels later because I'm reading into the next one for the podcast. (laughs) Sometimes it takes a little bit, but I get there. I get there at least. So today
0: we're going to talk about Cress Chapters yes. 2 and 3. First, we're going to do Fan Art Friday, and yes. it's a big one. Cosmic Nova Flare is incredibly talented. She posts on Instagram, like, more than I can keep up with. She posts really incredible fan art that I, I can't keep up with her. I just, I really can't. So I finally told her, I was like, I'm just going to share, like, uh, all of your works in one. I can't do that. It's too much. So I picked, I think six, (laughs) I think, and I'm still, I still have more in the future that I know she'll, she'll let me share. So please go follow her on Instagram. We have six of hers to talk about, but there are so many more to take a look at. Um, The first one we're going to talk about is Cinder. And I, a lot of these, I like them because they're representative of moments and chapters. So I wish I Mm -hmm. had had this for the last chapter of Scarlet, because this is, cinder and she's working she's got a screwdriver and she's working on her hand with a light and it looks like ugh. it looks like she's underneath something uh yeah. but I can't tell what you know but I oh I love it so much
1: you always like, people always send you the most amazing fan art you they always do. have the best stuff I can't it's always so they good <laughs> like I've been um scouring pinterest and, you know, kind of looking through different artist's page on Instagram to try and find stuff. Um, and I have found some pretty amazing pieces, too. But you you always end up with these, like, super fantastic. <laughs> every time you post one, I'm always like, oh, my gosh, that's the most amazing picture. It's even better than the last one. How is that possible? <laughs> well, a lot of times
0: it's something that someone else will send me and then I reach out to the artist or mm-hmm. I'll go down a, a rabbit hole of just wanting to find fan art. And then I'll message the artist and be like, hey, I have a podcast about the Lunar Chronicles. And the the general, like, the general reaction to that is, oh, my God, there's a podcast about the Lunar Chronicles? And it's like, <laughs> yes, there is. You should listen to it. Can I also share your artwork? <laughs> With credit. <laughs> I make it pretty clear that I give credit because I know a lot of oh, people yeah. are very protective of their work, as they should be. Definitely. Um, And so I I always try to make sure that I I give as much credit as possible. And a lot of artists, especially right now with Cosmic Nova Flare, with what we're looking at from her, they put their Instagram handle on their artwork. So,
1: yeah, everybody can see where it comes from. Which is very helpful when searching Pinterest. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Um, That's how I figure it out. Because I do the same thing. Well, I'll find it if I don't find it on Instagram, I'll find it on Pinterest and I always look and see if the artist's name is there. And then I look them up on Instagram so I can message them and say, Hey, can I use this? So,
0: you know, I found some really good ones just by Googling too. And it'll lead me to somebody's like Tumblr page or Facebook page or something. And then I'm like, okay, so th- how do I find this person? <laughs> and for real, like uh, I shared a comic book strip from Hisomi on Tumblr and I found it when I was scrolling through Pinterest and then Pinterest led me to nowhere. I could not figure out where I got it from. So I started Googling and I was like, "Scarlet Marissa Meyer, fan art, comic book, chapter 41. <laughs> and I finally found it on this Tumblr page and I messaged the artist on Tumblr and I didn't hear back for like six weeks. Oh my gosh. I had almost given up at that point. And then I finally heard back and I was like, oh my God, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. <laughs> okay, good. Because it was literally a shot-for-shot graphic novel, like, scene of that chapter. And I was like, I really need this for this specific. Like, I really need it for this chapter. It's essential that I share it right now. (laughs) But this first one that we're looking at, oh, I love it so much. I love that
1: she looks so comfy. Like, this is how I look when I'm reading books. (laughs) Right? She is. She's just comfortable, and relaxed, and just looks perfect. She does.
0: And I I love the uh, amount of detail that goes on to this, because it's not just her like, fixing her hand. There's a, you can see like the wires and the cords. That's what makes me think mm-hmm. maybe she's under the rampion somewhere. You can see yeah. the light, but it's not the light. It's like a fixture that she can maneuver. She's got her green, like hunter green cargo pants on, and her dirty <laughs> take top, and she's got grease marks, and it's just perfect. It is. I love it.
1: I love those, you know, fan art pieces that we find that have all the little details in them. That's what makes them so spectacular. Like I just posted one, um, last week for Serpent and Dove and it was like from one specific scene in serpent and dove and it was so perfect because it was just so completely detailed and I was like yes this is what I pictured when I read this scene and this one is the same way with cinder it's great I love those little details that's one of the reasons that I love our logo art so much for the podcast which is Mm -hmm.
0: by Angela Wong on Instagram is because if you look at the logo art There's all kinds of tiny little details that reflect on not just the Lunar Chronicles, but also on Heartless and the Renegade series that she's written. Like if you look really closely on the crown, the bottom of the crown is not jewels. It's a braid. It's a blonde haired braid. Perfect. Yes. So, I mean, there's just so many elements of it that um, like I remember when she first submitted it and Ashley and I were sitting next to each other when she submitted it. So she and I were sitting next to each other when uh when we got a chance to first look at it. And I both of us were like, oh, that's so cool. And then I was like, oh, do you see this part? And she's like, yeah, is that a tomato over there? And I was like, I think it is. And it was just it's like 10 minutes of 10 minutes of us just looking at this art and trying to see <laughs> all the tiny little pieces from the different books that we could. Um And that's Love the greatest thing about art is getting to pick up on all those little those tiny little details. Yes. Yeah.
1: And it's beautiful.
0: So let's look at the details in the next one, which is of Captain Carswell
1: Thorne with his devilish grin and those beautiful blue eyes. Oh, man. The man just just makes me swoon. Yes. I mean, in the fan art, in his description, in the book. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's just great. I love him.
0: I like that in the background, it's got kind of like a Almost looks like stars, so it is like a galaxy far away that he's in. And yes. you can see the outline of his ship.
1: His hair's kind of tousled. It looks like it's kind of falling. Yes. I love that look, the tousled hair look on men. <laughs> it is great.
0: He's even got like the little wing cats on his uh, uniform. Do you see that on his leather jacket?
1: Yep. Perfect. I love it.
0: It's so great. <laughs> so the next one is Wolf aka yeah. Zaev Kesley Alpha Zaev Kesley my my bad <laughs> I love the moon in the background and I love these little like snowflake things in the corners do you see those yeah that's really cool too it's such an interesting little design to include it is his eyes are so
1: um eye catching yes your eyes go straight there I was listening to a podcast, the Lazy Genius podcast. And she actually, it was on her, an extra episode, a bonus episode on her Patreon with her and her sister. And um, so they were talking about different men who they find attractive, different Hollywood actors. And they were talking about how like some are maybe not as attractive, but they have really great eyes. And they called it, (laughs) they said they have like I desire <laughs> like, or desire eyes. So, you know, it's like this. Well, he just got, he's got those desire eyes, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He definitely does. That in him. <laughs> and I like that all of his scars are kind of prominent too. His lips look really yeah. full. His whole head looks big, <laughs> but not in a bad way.
1: It's just like part of his toughness, you know? Well, I mean, if he's part, Wolf creature, then. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it's all right.
0: So this next one is of Scarlet with her beautiful curly hair blowing in the wind, which I oh, love. Me too. Her cheeks are flushed and she's got freckles and her red hoodie. And there's kind of a, it
1: could be the moon, it could be the sun, but there's something eclipsing in the background. Yeah. I I love the, the red curly hair and the freckles. Just kind of hanging out there and how beautiful her hair is. Oh, I love it so much. This next one is our very first fan art
0: of Pearl, Lynn Pearl.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And she definitely looks like a, you know, mean girl. That side eye. Girl who
1: we, woman who we love to hate.
0: Yeah, very
1: mm-hmm.
0: like Alison De La Renta's, Regina George <laughs> crowd that we have. The Heathers. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But I I love this image of her. I like that it's got all these tiny little, almost like fireflies going around her dress. And her dress is like this gold dusting. And I like that it included a low cleavage. Just because that (laughs) part (laughs) of the chapter when the seamstress was like, no, she's only 17. She needs Uh to focus on this. And Audrey (laughs) was like, yeah, she needs to get married. So so we're going to show this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect.
0: (laughs) And then our final fan art is the pumpkin from Cinder with its smashed up windows. It looks like it happened right after she crashed into the cherry blossom tree on her way to the ball.
1: Yes. (sighs) And I love
0: it. Me too. My dream car is a Volkswagen bug. So (laughs) this is perfect. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I love that it's that you can see that it's had better
1: days. <laughs> yeah, that poor pumpkin. <laughs> poor pumpkin. Used to look a lot better than it did.
0: <laughs> it did. So, a big thank you yeah. to Cosmic Nova Flare for letting me share so much artwork in one setting. Believe me, I will be continuing to message you and get more later. <laughs> Last week, the Patreon members voted, and the title for chapter one is The Lonely by Christina Perry. That's perfect. The part in the song where it said she sang herself to sleep, I was like, oh, okay, so that's exactly what happened in the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) But that one almost, almost lost it, only won by one vote. It was almost Daydreaming by Jack and Jack, so... Mm. that's Ugh. what's fun about the voting is you never know where it's gonna end up i always check that's it like true. right before i record so <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about chapters two and three yeah chapter two first last week we met kress mm-hmm. and this week we're back with the Rampian crew orbiting yeah. earth so i remember the first time i read scarlet it was like who the hell is scarlet where's cinder what book am i reading Right, And it took four <laughs> chapters to get back to, to the Cinder plot.
1: Which is crazy because you would think that she would bring them in a little bit sooner. But no, I don't know. Not
0: Marissa. <laughs> but you know what? We get to this book and it's second chapter. So I, Boom. I, wonder, I wonder if there's any influence there.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Or it could be she's like, all right, we're three books in. I can just go back really quick. Now it's fine. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, here of course, we only had to wait 12 pages, so that's fine. right. <laughs> I, I say that, but Neil Schusterman in his third book for his Ark of a Scythe trilogy, didn't bring his two main characters back in until like six chapters in, which wow. was really aggravating. <laughs> but, it, you know, to each his own.
0: I'm trying to think of another series where it took a while to get back to... I don't think uh... I've read
1: it. I don't know.
0: Well, I know in like Goblet of Fire, it was like 15 chapters before we got back to Hogwarts. Oh. But.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm trying to think of like other books I've read where something like that would have happened and it was. No, I got nothing. I'm sure plenty, plenty either. I'm sure plenty will come to <laughs> mind when I'm done, right? But we're back with the Ranthian crew. Wolf and Cinder are fighting. Yep. We're in Cinder's point of view, of course. Wolf is going easy on her and she's getting nauseous from trying to control him and fight at the same time. And I love, I love that he goes, stop closing your eyes. Cause I feel like that's what I would do.
1: (laughs) Me too. Well, cause it's okay. And let's think about this too. Like anytime you see a movie or TV show where somebody has like some kind of magical powers or something, right. And they're trying to focus and concentrate. They always close their eyes. They're always closed. <laughs> it's like we think that if our eyes are closed, we can do a better job at it.
0: I, don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I feel like I would probably do this. It's so you can concentrate, right? So that you're doing right. nothing but focusing. <laughs> I feel like I, I get where she's coming from, but you need to have your eyes open. It's like that scene in the parent trap when she's going to cut her hair. She's like, don't shut your eyes. You're cutting my hair. That's <laughs> like you're nervous, but you're the one whose eyes need to be open right now.
1: That's right. <laughs> the only exception to this rule, I think, would be Master Yoda, who uh, when he pulls Luke's X-Wing fighter up out of the swamp and Dagobah does it with his eyes closed. <laughs> but he's Yoda, so it's fine. I was going to say
0: the TV show Charmed, which I don't know if you ever watched that. Oh, of course I did. Well, Prue always had to, like, squint her eyes in the beginning. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yes. That would have given me such a headache. Like, okay, you have this really cool power, but every time you use it, you have to close your eyes. It's like, okay, but for that, like, millisecond, what could happen? (laughs) And I got so happy when she was finally able to, like, use her hands and stuff.
1: Yes. Finally. (laughs)
0: So, she's trying to control Wolf. She's actually got a hold of him, but she's struggling. Like, he's struggling to fight her off, and she's struggling to keep control of him. Yeah. And someone hits her
1: in between the (laughs) shoulder blades, and she falls (laughs) flat,
0: and Wolf stops so he can catch her. And Thorn just starts laughing.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Thorn. I I love it. (laughs) Oh, man. He's just too much. Well, you got to keep your eyes open. (laughs) Proves the point. It's so great. And then, like, Cinder's like, well, it's
0: not a game. And Wolf is like, okay, but seriously, if even Thorn can sneak up on you, we're in trouble.
1: (laughs) Yep. Exactly.
0: Nobody's supposed to be able to sneak up on you right now. And it's not like (laughs) Thorn is stealthy. No, not at all. (laughs) But they need to train because she's an amateur and they could be facing dozens of soldiers at a time. So she needs to be able to do all of that and be present. Use the gift, but also be able to be active, not just standing still with your eyes closed and using the gift. You also have to be an active member of whatever you're doing. Are you running? Are you fighting? Are you... Piloting Mm -hmm. a ship
1: or, you know, whatever she's doing, she has to be able to do both. You have to be completely aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Because what if you're fighting somebody in front of you and then you have to be aware of if somebody is coming up behind you and be able to get rid of them too if you need to. Right. Because if you watch any movie or TV show. (laughs) Of course.
0: (laughs) You know that as soon as you have your back turned, that's when someone's coming for you. Of course. That's always how it goes. (laughs) Yes. Scarlet Mm. laughs at Thorne when he says he's a criminal mastermind. And Mm -hmm. she goes, we've been trying to figure out how to infiltrate the Royal wedding for the last week. And so far your biggest contribution has been determining which of the palace rooftops is the most spacious. So your precious ship doesn't get scratched in the landing. Yes. (laughs) Two things I love about this. One, I love that Scarlet is sassing Captain Carswell
1: Thorne. I agree.
0: (laughs) And two, I love this writing technique from Marissa. Yes, yeah. She's letting us know that, that, that it's been a week. It's been a week since we last seen them. Mm-hmm. And that what they've been doing in that week is trying to figure out how to infiltrate the wedding.
1: Yeah, we so, got a lot of information just in that one sentence. Yeah, and we know
0: that they're all very comfortable with each other at this point. And she's eating oatmeal, which sounds a lot better than the canned tomatoes and artichokes. So I'm glad that they've (laughs) got food, like real food.
1: (laughs) Me too. What I love about this is I love Iko's response to it. Yes. Yes. Scarlett (laughs) says that. And then Iko perks up and says, "Um, I agree with Captain Thorne's priorities as this maybe my big net debut. I'd like to be looking my best. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I love it because it's such a perfect Iiko response. Oh, my
1: gosh, it is. She it makes is. me laugh. I love her.
0: I love her. And I love that she calls him Captain. Yes, <laughs> everyone is very like <laughs> evident about just calling him Thorn, and he constantly has to be like Captain Thorn. but." Not Aiko. Aiko is like, yeah, Captain. (laughs) And he calls her gorgeous and winks at her. And I love, I just love how, like,
1: flirty he is with the ship. He's being flirty with the computer system, essentially. Because it's even vaguely female. Right?
0: (laughs) And then, as you said, he he goes, everybody could learn from Aiko. Note
1: her proper use of the word (laughs) Captain. Oh man, I love but it, it. and it's funny too because then it makes her, it makes Iko blush. I know, I love which I, to I blush love when she like, raises
0: the, the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> she raises the temperature. It's so um, much. It's so great how much of Aiko's personality comes through, even yeah. as the ship.
1: Yeah. I really love that Marissa Meyer did that and she didn't just make her like bland and boring as a ship, but she still has this full on personality. So much so that she blushes.
0: That <laughs> she blushes. There's, there's moments where I can't remember exactly when, but she like messed with all the lights for something. Yeah. Yeah. Cinder says that controlling the earthens has been easy, but controlling wolf takes everything. Yeah. And she wants to go again, and Wolf says, take a break. Mm-hmm. They've been at this for two hours. He wants to take a break.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he says, I hope you don't go against any of the Queen's real soldiers. But she could take, like, a Thama, maybe a couple of operatives. But the real soldiers are advanced animals mm-hmm. that don't react well to manipulation. And Scarlet, and Scarlet goes, because <laughs> <laughs> so many he do.
1: i loved that line (laughs) that made me laugh
0: i love it and here's the line i really love
1: his glance flickered toward her
0: something in his eyes softening it was a look cinder had seen a hundred times since he and scarlet had joined the crew of the rampion and yet seeing it still made her feel like she was intruding on something intimate
1: i love that too i marked it because Oh, it just like makes me melt to think about it. You know, like, you know, exactly how he's looking at her and he's looking at her like adoringly and just, you know, like they have this special relationship between the two of them. And it's, it's fantastic. I love that quote.
0: I love that. We're also getting that from those two, like the, the, it's very clear to everyone on the ship that the two of them have this, this connection, this sort of belongingness to each other. It reminds me of something that happened to me. So my husband's in the military, he leaves sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a few years ago, when we were in Nebraska, he had to go somewhere and he had to take one of his airmen with him. And he was gone, I think two weeks. And his airman was, you know, single airman living in an apartment. So I drove them to I drove both of them to the airport. And when I picked Quentin up, I also picked up His airmen. Now, my husband and I are not big on PDA, but especially if he's in uniform, all those cute videos you guys see on the internet of people (laughs) having like very emotional, heartfelt hugs and stuff after deployments, they're not actually supposed to do that. They're not supposed to show, you know, affection when they're in a uniform. Even holding hands is somewhat frowned upon, depending on your leadership. So, yeah. Quentin and I, you know, when he's gone and he comes home, it's a hello, but there's not like a big hug and dramatic moment. So when he came home, I just kind of walked up to him and I said, hi. And, and we just kind of looked at each other for a minute and then we left. I was going to get my hug when we came home. Like I, you know, and that's just how it is. I'm not saying it doesn't suck. Of course I would love my big romantic movie moment, but (laughs) reality doesn't work that way. But I remember a few days later I had seen his airman at his work and his airman was like, that was the most uncomfortable moment of my entire life. And I was like, <laughs> we didn't even touch each other. He's like, I know. And somehow it felt like even more intimate than if you had just like Aww. given him a quick hug. And I felt so awkward just standing there like looking
1: around. <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get it now why that would seem so intimate because you're used to people who are, you know, giving each other hugs or holding hands yeah. or, you know, a kiss on the cheek or even just Full on kissing, people do that in public all the time, Right. when you're a teenager. So
1: mm-hmm. I
0: get why a simple look <laughs> between people can feel so, so intimate, because also when you know somebody really
1: well, you can have a conversation with just a look and no words. Oh, completely. You totally can. Definitely. I've definitely done that. Yeah. And not
0: <laughs> even just with my husband, like my sisters no. and I have facial expression conversations all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wolf says that the soldiers are sporadic and wild and dangerous and thorn leans over to scarlet and fake whispers he does realize
1: that he's an ex-street fighter who still goes by wolf right <laughs> another very thorn fun clever line there and of course i love that he says it to scarlet of all people like he leans into scarlet right? and he's like hey girl <laughs> <laughs> like your boyfriend here realizes this, right? It's like, it would be like somebody saying to Jean gray, Hey, Wolverine realizes he's, he's called Wolverine, right? You know, like it's trying to not be that way. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh. Cinder smothers a laugh and says that she just wants to be prepared. You know, they weren't prepared in Paris. She wants to be prepared. And Cinder notices that Wolf is restless, which we, having reader privilege, we already know. Right. Reading Scarlet, he's just like a super restless person. But Cinder's picked up on it now that that that's just how he is. Yeah. Just always restless, always moving. Like a caged animal. (laughs) Yes. Cinder needs more tranquilizer darts because the fewer soldiers they have to fight, the better. And this is where we learned that Iko has started a countdown. It is T minus 15 days and nine hours until the royal wedding.
1: They're getting close. They're
0: getting close. Yeah. And the clock of cinder anxiety, girl. I feel oh, you. my gosh. <laughs> Any, like, big day, you know, like, my wedding day, anytime my husband goes on deployment and comes home, it's, like, that last a month is, like, the longest month ever, like,
1: Yes. The deployment it really is. is
0: like really rough and then the last like three weeks are horrible because yep. you know it's like <laughs> you also don't find out the day until like the day sometimes. Yeah. So it'll be like, okay, I know he's coming home sometime between like July first and August fifteenth. But that's all I know. And then for that like five weeks, you're just like looking at emails <laughs> and text messages, waiting for phone calls and like <laughs> Yep. Countdowns, but, I think, are always a good thing and also
1: like a really stressful thing. Yes, it can definitely be both ways. In this case, it's more stressful for Cinder than anything else.
0: Because with every day that goes by, she's less, she feels less and less ready to
1: go. Yeah. Because they and they have a lot to do. They have Methods, a lot to do. Tools, All that kind of stuff. And she even says, you know, they have their list of supplies that's up on Ico's, so up on the screen, and they've got like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they have all I'm this really stuff to do and to check
0: out. Considering all her complaints, I'm really surprised gloves is not on the list. Well, you would think so, right? Because she's <laughs> so attached and she hasn't had her gloves in an entire book. So I'm surprised it's not oh. like, task one, get gloves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's just become accustomed to it now.
0: Yes. And she has more blueprints this time of the palace. To me, that feels like a breach of national security,
1: but, like, whatever. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, here's some blueprints of the White House. (laughs) Or the Pentagon or something. Like, I feel like you can't get those. No, definitely not.
0: I don't think she should be able to get blueprints of the palace online. Maybe if she were, like, a really, you know, if she were, like, Chris, who's a hacker, but she's just a mechanic with a really cool brain, like... (laughs) <laughs> she basically has an, a smartphone in her brain, which is really cool and adds a lot of capabilities, but it doesn't make you a hacker. So right. can I just go online and get blueprints to the new Beijing palace? Because that seems like a huge breach in national security. You'd think so, but apparently they're out there somewhere. <laughs> Torrin dropped the ball on this one hmm <laughs> <laughs> So she's saying that she's not improving fast enough. It could take years and they only have two weeks. This is their plan. Yes, yeah, that's not a lot of time. <laughs> this is their, their plan cracks me up. This is their plan. Yeah, they're gonna they're. cause the distraction. <laughs> they're gonna sneak in. Cinder's gonna announce her true identity. And then Levana is just going to relinquish the crown. Like, this is a really basic plan. But also, do you think she could just walk in and be like, hey, I'm the princess. And
1: then Levana is like, oh, my bad. Here you go. Right. I mean, what? and I love that Marissa Meyer describes it as the rough plan, because that is definitely a rough plan. You That's would know, hope-
0: it's like, OK, what could <laughs> go wrong with this plan? Well, pretty much all of it, because none of all that of is it. really a plan. No. What, how are you causing a distraction? How are you sneaking in? What are you going to do to prove your true identity? Because just walking in there and being like, I'm the lost princess. Yep. That doesn't mean no. anybody <laughs> to do that. And also <laughs> the, official lo- the official party line is that the princess is dead. So she's not really a lost princess. That's a conspiracy theory. So right.
1: just, yeah. the whole, the whole plan up. is just crazy.
0: And she was going to demand that Lavana relinquish her. So she's going to walk in there and be like, I'm the princess. Give me a crown. Give me. And Lavana's just going to be like, oh,
1: my bad. I didn't know you were alive. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I'm going to give up everything I've worked so hard to achieve and to keep. (laughs) And I am just going to give this crown right over to you. My bad for keeping it so long. I had (laughs) no idea. Oh, man, what a horrible person I am. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what Cinder's worried about. Which Cinder's is not
0: worried about the, <laughs> causing a distraction. She's not worried about how she's actually going to sneak in. She's not worried about what Lavana's response is going to be when she goes, give me my crown. Oh. She's worried about how the Lunars are going to react to her being a cyborg Yep. and to her being completely ignorant of their world culture, traditions, and politics.
1: Right. Because how do you rule a nation, a country, a moon, a whole moon, (laughs) without ever having lived there? It would be like if you or I discovered we are actually a lost princess of some European country and we move over there to Europe and like, hey, guess what? I'm taking over, you know, now what what goes on in this country? I mean, you know, what's your national flag? What's your language? Uh do you have a do
0: you have a parliament? What's the deal here? Do you drive on the left or the right side of the road? <laughs> Don't even know the basic stuff. That would not be good. <laughs> no, I completely agree and it is kind of jarring to think about now this person is like not familiar with anything. No yeah. world, no culture, no traditions, no politics. She probably doesn't even have a basic understanding of survival on the moon, of, like, how they get supplies and resources and things like that. She's just going to be like, I'm queen, bitches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me my crown. I'm here to rule. Get this crazy lady out of here. <laughs> it reminds me of The Princess
0: Diaries. The books, not the movies. The movies make it seem really shady. The books (laughs) (laughs) where she grows up in Manhattan, but her whole life she knows she's a princess. And then, you know, towards the end of, Oh, have you not read the books? No. Oh, I've only seen the movies. The movies
1: are great too. I love me some Chris Pine and Anne Hathaway. But that's a, but that's a big difference though. Her knowing that she is a princess.
0: Yeah, she grew up in Mm. Manhattan and she's known her whole, her parents are divorced, but she has known her whole life that she's a princess, but she's only ever supposed to have been a princess. Okay. And then towards the end of the last couple of books, it turns out she has to be queen, which is something she's never prepared for. So even though she knows about Genovian politics and culture and all that, she's never actually lived there full time and stuff. So very, very interesting. Cinder says that she can't be worse than Lavanna. I'm going to play devil's (laughs) advocate here. (laughs) From the eyes of the Lunars, is Lavanna that bad? Yes, Mm. she has infanticide and the mutant creepy wolves. I don't really know how she treats her people. It's implied that she forces them to love her. But as a leader, she managed to create a virtually unstoppable army find a cure for an earthen disease that doesn't even affect her people and get an
1: entire planet of resources to share with her people. Which is pretty good. And really if I was a lunar person, given the option between her and some random girl, Teenage girl, mind you, who comes along and is half cyborg and just says, Hey, I'm the princess. I don't know anything about living here, and I'm gonna rule now. I'd probably pick Lavana. Yeah.
0: Yeah and and I mean I'm not saying that she's great, but no. <laughs> I, she has an infanticide in her country that everybody just accepts. I obviously she's not super yeah. great, but pl- if we're playing devil's advocate, and we heard last chapter we talked about um all the propaganda that we know the crown feeds their lunars so mm-hmm. from their perspective Levana is probably not that bad.
1: Right. That's what I would think too. Yeah. At I least agree. what they
0: know about her isn't bad, I guess. Yeah. So she hopes that lunars will see her as better, but part of her fantasizes about hiding until it's all over and everyone forgets about <laughs> the lunar princess.
1: That sounds like a good idea sometimes, just hiding away till everything's gone, you know.
0: It does. It does sound like a good idea. Some there are definitely days where I want to hide.
1: Like, can I just hide and not come out until the vaccine for the coronavirus is out and it's been tested and we're all good? Like <laughs> that would be great. Can I just hide until <laughs> the election is over? Yeah, that too. <laughs>
0: I'll go hide in Canada with Becca, the librarian.
1: I'll be right there, Ooh. girl. <laughs> I have a friend in Canada and I can dang. hide with, too.
0: <laughs> one of my professors is Canadian, and we were giving him a hard time in one of our last classes. Someone had mentioned politics, and someone else was like, bet you wish you stayed in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so Cinder is ready to go. Wolf says, fine, do push-ups. Fighting isn't enough. You need upper body strength
1: you need to focus while you work. I just say this is one of those other things that like I like about Marissa's my Marissa Meyer's writing because it says he gestured at her with a spoon. So like he's eating, he's taken over eating Scarlett's oatmeal. Yeah. And he's got a spoon in his hand. And it's like, it's a small thing. But it just kind of gives you more imagery for what's going on and for the scene, you know, like, He's just got this because I could totally picture him eating, and then he takes a bite and he stops, and he's just talking with a spoon. You know, and just, I'm guessing there's still oatmeal in his mouth while he's talking. Probably,
0: that would be my guess. Considering, I will school. say this whole this whole chapter, while it is only a few pages, is so perfectly written and choreographed because it feels very genuine. These people, despite the fact that they haven't known each other very long, are very clearly domesticated together. They're used to behaving a certain way. They're Mm. used to being around each other all the time. They've clearly gotten comfortable with each other. Yep. And uh, enough to hang out all day and, you know, tell each other jokes and make fun of each other and poke fun. And I think that's a really great way of showing it because instead of having some part of the paragraph be like cinder had noticed in the last couple of weeks they've all grown as friends instead of like right saying that outright she's showing us that by how they interact with each other exactly she's counting to 11 and she's doing her her push-ups and thorn says you know when i was a kid i was tricked into thinking that princesses <laughs> wore tiaras and hosted tea parties now that i've met a real princess i must say i'm kind of disappointed
1: I totally love that line. I know. Thorn <laughs> is so great. And Cinder yeah.
0: hates the word princess. Yep. It puts her nerves on edge. And she uses her gift to make to like trip him basically. Yep. <laughs> Which
1: is hilarious.
0: She sweeps him right off his feet. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love their friendship. This is I think I've said this a million times, so I apologize. But I just I love that Thorn and Cinder are friends. And there's never been any indication so far in the books that they're going to be anything other than just friends who give each other a hard time.
1: Right. It's kind of like a brother or sister relationship in a one, you know, in a way, like a sibling yeah. relationship, just fun. They know how to have fun together and poke at each other and tease each other and, um, you know, but be serious and take care of things that matter at the same time, too. Yeah.
0: And I love that so much because I think in so many like movies and books and TV shows, this would turn into a, a love triangle, I love that so far that hasn't been a thing. They've just been friends who who give each other a hard time, but clearly care a lot about each other. Yeah. Scarlet and Wolf laugh, and when Wolf laughs, you can even see his canines, which he usually yes. hides. <laughs> and Cinder helps Thorn up and
1: says, and I love this, you can help me pick out a tiara when we're done saving the world. <laughs> it's just perfect. They have the best banter back and forth between the two of them. They have great like banter chemistry. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. So good. let's talk about your chapter title. Okay. So as soon as I was reading when I go mentioned the, um, the countdown, the wedding countdown clock, and then Cinder just gets like really stressed about it and start thinking about all this stuff. The song that came to my mind was the final countdown by Europe. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it is. It's the final countdown for them. And a lot of the lyrics actually kind of make sense. So that's what I came up with for this one.
0: So mine is make a man out of you from Mulan, because oh, yeah. the, the whole time Wolf and Cinder are like going at it. And Wolf is like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. I was just picturing that montage from Mulan where <laughs> she like cannot not keep up with the <laughs> she can't. She can't keep up with the arrows, and she can't carry the water
1: on her shoulders. And <laughs> that is perfect. I love, I love that. <laughs> what was your quote for chapter two of Crest? Well, with my love for Thorn, I had to pick a Thorn quote. So <laughs> the one where he says, "Never underestimate the stealth of a criminal mastermind."
0: He is, in fact, a criminal mastermind. We just mm-hmm. have yet to see any proof. <laughs> So mine was, you can help me pick out a tiara when we're done saving the world. Yep. <laughs> I love Sassy sender Me too. <laughs> and that's the perfect response, because I love Thorne being like, hey, I was told something <laughs> different. I had a different version of Princess in my head. What's this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> there's no tea parties. There's no crowns. This is so unfair. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now, back to the show.
0: So, chapter 3, we're back in Cress's point of view. The last time we saw her, it was our very first introduction to her character and Sybil was visiting her satellite. Sybil's gone and Cress is left alone in the galaxy,
1: which is a heartbreaking sentence structure. It is. It's a beautiful sentence, but it also is very heartbreaking.
0: Hauntingly beautiful.
1: Yes, that's Um, a very good phrase, a good description. Hauntingly beautiful.
0: It even says, despite how Cress yearned for companionship, it was always a relief when Sybil left her.
1: Yeah, because, you know, from chapter one, Sybil does not seem like she's a very pleasant person to be around at all. Very threatening and menacing, and so I wouldn't want to be around her either. I would not either. No matter how lonely I was. So it says that usually
0: Sybil visits every three to four weeks, but this is her third visit in the last week because she's so anxious to find uh, that cyborg girl. Mm-hmm. That shell, as Sybil wants to pretend shell. she's a shell.
1: Huh.
0: We get a bit of an egg hatch here. At the end of chapter one, Sybil says, give me your arm. And we don't really know why. Yeah. And we find out here it's because she has to take blood samples. Yeah. Why does she need to go to a, a satellite girl and get blood samples?
1: That's a very good question. I was wondering that as well. I was like, what does she do with her blood? Why does she need this? Right. Running experiments. From Kress, like, <laughs> Is there
0: like a blood shortage and they have to, they need like a blood drive going on? I don't right? understand. So Levana is desperate to find Cinder. That's why Sybil keeps visiting so much, even though she doesn't normally, which has got to be really nerve-wracking for Cress. Because yeah. we saw how she reacted when Sybil showed up last time, where it was like, oh, sh- Sybil's here, and she had to like spend her 22 seconds running around (laughs) getting the satellite ready. So Crest says, Mistress ship has detached. Shall we play a game? I like this little reminder that she's not entirely without companionship. It's a programmed companion,
1: but it is a companion. But it's still something. It's better than nothing because we all need, you know, somebody to talk to at least. It's like, I don't know if you've watched um, on CBS All Access, they did that show Picard about Captain John Luke Picard from the Star Trek Enterprise. Um, I don't know if you're a Star Trek person. I'm a Star I Trek am.
0: person. I okay. am. Did you watch Picard? I have not watched Picard. And I will say I haven't watched a lot of the
1: new Star Trek. Okay. Well, I'm this... old I'm old school Star Trek, like the Borg and stuff. Oh, love the Borg. Um, You would actually like Picard a lot because they bring in a lot of the old school stuff. Okay. But there is a scene when he he gets on a ship with someone and the captain is um, alone. You know, he's the only one on the ship. But then he'll he'll talk to the computer and say, show me this or what is this? And like a hologram of himself, but like in different clothes and stuff will come up. And then you find out that he has created like multiple different holograms of himself to keep him company, for one, <laughs> and then also to help, you know, with different functions on the ship. But one of the things he says is to keep him company, because he's up there all by himself, flying around, usually doing whatever he does. So it kind of reminds me of that. And it's the same thing. I mean, you need to have somebody, something to talk to, even if it's just a computer and a 10 year old version of yourself.
0: Well, Otherwise, you know, you, you get that in different shows and stuff or movies like Castaway, he have the, oh, the
1: yes, ball no, or... Then.
0: This, this TV show called The Last Man on Earth, he was, he thought he was the last man on Earth, so everywhere was empty. So he would just walk around and do stuff and take things, and he had a bar filled with different, like, balls and balloons, and he would draw faces on, like, one would be like a basketball, and one would be like a volleyball, (laughs) and one would be like a, a wiffle ball, and they would all have, like, faces on them. And he would put empty beer bottles in front of each ball and then he would have a conversation with them like <laughs> they were. And he had names for like each one of them. And I mean, gotta do what you gotta, It makes me That's think right. of like when you're a kid and you play with like your dolls or your action figures and they yeah. all have names and personalities and things like that. Exactly. It's one of the things I, I find that I like about listening to podcasts is that especially when you're listening to a podcast about something that you enjoy is that you yeah. kind of feel like you're a part of a conversation and they just can't hear you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll listen yeah. to podcasts all the time and they'll be having a discussion. And in my head, I'm saying all these things that no one can hear. <laughs> but Me too. I, I feel like I'm a part of the conversation, even if I'm not. And, you know, with the military, when you move around and it can be hard to make friends, it can be hard to meet people, especially as a grown up. Yeah. It's not like you meet them at recess and give them your pudding and then you're best friends and seriously. <laughs> so I think that that listening to podcasts kind of helps cure that that social sting because you, you're just a it's a one sided conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And completely. you get to kind of feel like you're a part of it. Yeah, I sometimes talk back to them out loud, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, I sometimes have conversations with myself when I feel like I need to practice self-care. I'll go on a walk and I'll just talk to myself in my head, you know, about what I plan on doing. My husband and I have been, uh, I have been struggling. It's, it's a lot of work trying to do grad school and the podcast and my job and PT and all this other stuff. And physical therapy has been far more exhausting than I was expecting. I'm yeah. not healing quickly from my surgery like we had hoped. Mm. Um, and so You know, my husband was like, you know, you need to just quit your job. Just focus on school. You know, we have that's what savings accounts are for. Just focus on school. You can get a job when you're done. And I really was
1: hesitant to quit my job because one, I actually like my job. Well, you work Uh, in a bookshop. I mean, come on. I wouldn't want to quit that job either. (laughs) And then my boss needs me, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and
0: so I had a whole conversation I've talked to my boss about it first and she was like you do what you have to do for you so I told her to give me a couple of days and I would think about it and I went for a walk and I had a conversation with myself about like well what are my benefits if I do quit what are the cons if I quit you know why am I making this decision am I making this because it's what's best for me and my self-care and my mental stability and everything like that and that's a conversation with myself. Thinking, yeah. thinking things over, making decisions, those are conversations you're having with yourself. And those are nice to have too. Yep, I agree. Maybe not all of your conversations like Crest though. No. <laughs> that would be a
1: lot.
0: Crest's whole existence just makes me so sad.
1: Me too. I mean, and as we get and we'll talk about it more, you know, as we go on. But like as we get these descriptions in the chapter of her sitting there looking out, you know, the window, looking out on the earth and then the moon. And just I just kept on thinking that would be so lonely, so lonely. I mean, beautiful, gorgeous view, but (laughs) extremely lonely. You
0: know, and there's times as an adult where I want to be alone. And there's oh. times as an adult mm-hmm. where being alone is just deafening.
1: That's very true.
0: Yeah. When my husband was deployed, I got chicken pox. Oh,
1: gosh. Why does the bad stuff always happen when they're deployed?
0: Who gets chicken pox at 24? I called my parents. I called both <laughs> my parents. I was like, I have three sisters. How did I never have chicken pox before? <laughs> well, apparently, all of my sisters had chicken pox the same summer I was at Girl Scout camp. So I missed it oh
1: well my husband was
0: deployed i didn't have like any friends and now the one opportunity i had to leave the house and socialize with the world was gone and i it was like a week (laughs) of just sitting at home and i don't know if anybody's ever had the chicken pox as an adult it's horrible i basically went in and out of consciousness on my couch for like a week straight just watching like friends and disney movies and stuff like that and i would have i had it was horrible it's very uncomfortable But I remember just being like so sick and so uncomfortable and so unhappy and just being like, I just wish someone was here. Yeah. And then I got really lucky because apparently or maybe I'm pathetic enough. Like a week later my mom ended up visiting me for like a week and a half. So <laughs> she's like, nice. She came all the way from California and she spent like a week and a half with me in Scamp.
1: My mom did too, when my husband was deployed. My mom came to visit too. And she stayed with me because I was like, I can't.
0: (laughs) Well, and I had to go back to work because I'd missed so much work from when I had the chicken pox. So I felt bad. And she was like, I'm fine. This is what my mom did for vacation. She went to her daughter's house and just played with my dog and read my books. (laughs) That's all she did. You know what? But maybe that's like
1: really relaxing for her. I mean,
0: you know. I mean, if she doesn't read my books. She's pretty much nothing but like. Inve- investigative adventures, you know, like Born Supremacy mm-hmm. and things like that. And uh like Jason Bourne uh, or like mystery, like murder mysteries. Gotcha. That's pretty much all she reads. So being stuck at my house for a week and a half, she was reading all of <laughs> my books. And sometimes I'd come home and she'd be like, how do you read this stuff? Like, seriously, oh my gosh. this is like
1: this is like a made-for-TV movie with a 15-year-old. And I'm like, I know, it's great, right? <laughs> this is what my husband says to me, too. He's like, how are you reading these books for teenagers? I'm like, you don't understand. They're really good. <laughs> well, some of the books she picks up and she's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, oh, The
0: Host, The Host by Stephanie Meyer. She loved The Host. She thought it was great. And then she, when I talked to her about it, I was like, you know, that's the woman that wrote the Twilight series, right? And she was like, is huh? the Twilight series good? I was like, it's not as good as the host, but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then she read, um, which is not made for teens, but she finally read the first Wives Club, which she's seen the movie for a million times. So right. that was really exciting for her because she, she was, she was looking through my books. She was like, that was a book. Right. Well, I guess I know what you're reading today. Mm hmm. <laughs> we'll go back to My Mom Reads Books podcast. <laughs> so, Cress is cool. talking to little Cress. Mm-hmm. And she thinks about when she found out what the word satellite meant. It comes from a Latin word meaning companion, minion, or sycophant. Sycophant, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one got me too. I was like, wait, does that does that word mean something that I don't know?
1: Well, and even minion, because... Like when I hear minion, I don't think of companion. I think of like an evil, like, like in a movie, like a bad guy's helper. You know what I mean? Like, right. My evil minions and do my do it, my bidding. You know, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like actual minions in despicable me, although they're cute. So they could be considered companions.
0: What about it is that it's just one of those words that has a different meaning than when it started because what it means yeah. right now, is like, uh, I'm looking it up so I can give you guys real information, is basically insincere flattery to gain advantage, but its origin is actually in the legal system of classic Athens, uh, okay. where the word would be brought for people who had no one to represent them or had a limited number of officially appointed people.
1: Oh, okay. So basically that, you're alone in the fight. That does make more sense then.
0: All right. And then Minion... Just makes you see a bunch of minions from Despicable Me.
1: <laughs> Who that would totally make sense because they are cute and cuddly and they're funny and they are good companions for sure. They
0: are. <laughs> so that one means an underling or follower of a powerful person, especially an unimportant one. So that one, I guess, kind of makes sense because yeah. she's she's clearly what, she, what did she call herself? The... Loyal something of Sybil.
1: Uh, I'd have to look. I'm not sure. But she is, I mean, if you think about it, she is kind of powerful because of her hacking abilities and what she can do yes. and all of that, you know. So that um works out really well there. Well-trained lackey of Sybil. Yeah. That's what she called herself. So that makes sense to
0: me. But they're all ironic to her considering her solitude. Right. Her satellite is no longer her solitude. She has a relationship with her satellite now. Her satellite mm-hmm. keeps her company and does her bidding and never questions or disagrees with her or has any pesky thoughts.
1: Yeah. No, but he can't talk back to her with their right? pesky thoughts. <laughs> Maybe we can play a game later. We'd better check
0: the files first. Certainly, big sister.
1: Okay, that's adorable. It is. It's cute. I totally pictured that and I was like, aw, that was a good moment. <laughs>
0: yes. Crest often wonders what it's like to be truly lun- lunar mm-hmm. and to have control over people like Mistress Sybil.
1: Yeah. If
0: her mistress was to follow her orders for once.
1: Which, you know what's funny is when I was reading that, I thought, like, how many times as a little kid do you think that? Like, And how many times, okay, my nine-year-old has even said stuff to me like, how come you get to make all the rules? And I'm like, because I'm your parent. I'm the adult. Well, what if I had more power than you and I was the adult? You know what I mean? So it's like, this is, that's something that I think we all think about at some point, even, you know, as kids, like, what if I was in charge of you and I had the power?
0: Something I always used to tell my preschoolers because they would say stuff like that all the time. Preschool is one of those ages where they're first starting to realize they can backtalk and uh-huh. it has actual consequences. Mm-hmm. It'll get a rise out of you, but there might actual there might be <laughs> like, you might not get name tag time kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but something I used to talk to them all the time about that is I was like, well, you are you do have that power. You do have control. You just can't use it for another 16 years. That's right. (laughs) And then they'd be like, well, why do I have to wait 16 years? And I'd be like, well, can you drive a car? No. Hmm. Can you get a job? No. Do you know how to write your own name and uh, balance a checkbook? No. That's why. (laughs) Now, all of that is obviously circumstantial. But when you're Four years old, it's really easy to pull the wool over your eyes with a simple conversation like that.
1: <laughs> Very true.
0: Why <laughs> not work as well on a nine-year-old. <sighs> uh, I want to talk about her considering herself, what it would be like to be truly lunar. Because to me, this is really f- up that she's not even allowed to feel like she's a part of the society because of this
1: yeah. lack of ability that she has. She doesn't even get to be, like, truly lunar, I know. And that's, it's horrible. Cause it's like, just because she doesn't have all the powers that everybody else has, they banished her out to be in this satellite for the rest of her life and use her as Sybil and Lavanna's lackey to do their evil work for them, that they're not smart enough to be able to do
0: themselves. Right. Basically.
1: Well, but and on, on top to- of hey, that,
0: man. we know that there's you know, discrimination and segregation on earth with the cyborgs and stuff. But this is even worse. Like Luna took it a step farther because they have infanticide. So Crest is even just lucky to be alive as a shell because the rest of them get murdered as babies, which is horrible
1: and horrific.
0: I was talking to somebody, I forget who, but somebody was messaging me about it. It was their first time reading this book, this series. And they were messaging me on, on Instagram And they were talking about like, well, how could anyone let this happen? I can't believe an entire society just allows them to commit infanticide. And I was like, well, we have World War Two. So,
1: yep. Not like it hasn't happened before, unfortunately. And and that's
0: not even the only case of genocide or infanticide. That's probably just the most, for lack of a better word, famous one or well-known one. But that's not the only case where that's happened in history. It's just a horrible one. And it's the one that I think most people are most familiar with, but it's just really messed up to me that she doesn't even get to feel like she's really a lunar. So she's not lunar. She's not earthen. What, what is she? Where does she belong? Who does she belong to?
1: And which, if you think about it, When you're a teenager, that's kind of a lot of what you go through, too, you know, just trying to figure out your identity and who you are. But that is something that would even maximize it and make it all the worse to have to deal with.
0: I think so, too, because when you're a teenager, there's this sort of expectation. Being a teenager is horrible because... you're going through so many different things and everybody expects you to act like a miniature adult. You know, I remember being a freshman mm-hmm. in high school and I'd have teachers that are like, blah, 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 college. And I'm like, dude, I don't even have a driver's license yet. Like you want me to think of things that aren't going to affect me for another four to six years? When you're a kid, you don't, you know, planning ahead, even just like what you're going to do that Saturday night is exhausting, let alone yeah. like, how is this one decision going to affect me in six to eight years? And, I think as an adult, I've gotten a little bit better about planning ahead and thinking things through and stuff like that. But being a teenager, you don't even know who you are, let alone who you're going to be in five years and what you're going to want to do in five years and what job right. you're going to want or what career you're going to want or things like that. And she doesn't even get to have this sense of self-identity in terms of like uh, patriotism. You know, she doesn't right. even have a place that she feels like
1: she belongs to. Yeah. So other than this yeah. satellite. Uh, yeah, and it's floating in space. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing.
0: So she has panorama and vision screens,
1: which so I love.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And she has all these folders
1: on display. I thought of it as like, <laughs> like it's like a woman's brain. All of these <laughs> folders open at the same time, right?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So it says, display compiled folders. Lynn Cinder. These are all the folders that she's looking at all the time that she has to hide when when Mr. Sybil gets there. Yep. Lynn Cinder, 214 Rampian, Class 11.3. Emperor Kaito of the Eastern Commonwealth. And she paused, <laughs> enjoying the rush of anticipation that passed
1: through her Carswell thorn. Oh, I my gosh. I wish That would be awesome. I totally marked that sentence because I absolutely (laughs) loved that because you get so much information right there. You know? So much. Just in that one sentence. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. That tells you, ooh, this girl's got some serious feelings here. She
0: has. So she could have a moment to enjoy that rush of anticipation.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I love it.
0: So she has all this information memorized. On the morning of August 29th, Lynn Cinder and Carswell Thorne escaped from New Beijing Prison. So when they had escaped from prison, we knew it had been about a week since the wolf attacks, and it's been about two days after they escaped. So if Cinder started on August 15th, it should currently be about September 7th at the moment. Lavana herself commanded Crest to find these people. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's been scrounging up all the information she can on Lynn Cinder, but it's all fake. Right. She just popped into existence five years ago, supposedly at 11 years old. <laughs> the records had been written to deceive. Kind of reminds me of muggleborns in Harry Potter who had to fabricate their family trees so they wouldn't die. Yeah. Or if we want to bring it back to World War II, a lot of, quote, undesirables, like. Jewish and gypsies and uh, others would fake papers and uh, marriages and job qualifications just so they yep. can stay afloat. Kai, however, is super simple to find information about because yep. every moment of his life has been recorded. There are fan groups, which makes me smile because that's where our namesake came from. Yes. The information exploded since the engagement announcement and Thorne's folder was a lot more
1: legwork. Uh huh.
0: But she was able to get trial transcripts, mm. articles, military records, education, licenses, income, <laughs> time, income timeline, birth certificate, and awards. Okay, she really is an amazing hacker, and it's a good thing uh-huh. she's not a criminal because
1: it would be crazy easy for him/her to just like take someone's identity. Oh yeah, she could totally do that and be whoever she wants. What I think is funny, too, is how it says she has all of this information, but it says it took her exactly 44 minutes to hack all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that is such a random number. It takes 44 minutes. But it also tells me in her doing all of that to find out all of that of him, she's a little bit more obsessed with him Yeah, than the other one. For sure. So he was
0: accepted into the military at 17. And removed his IG chip at 19, stole the (laughs) rampion, and deserted the military. I like her use of the phrase gone rogue because I feel like Thorne would love that. Me too. It fits
1: him perfectly. Uh, It is so him.
0: (laughs) 18 months later, he was found and arrested in the Eastern Commonwealth. That's actually pretty good. A year and a half on the run. Yeah, when the military is looking for you, and we've seen how easy it is to track people down in this society. Like that's pretty solid.
1: Yeah, that's a really good run that he had there.
0: Yeah, but he's a celebrity now. He's famous, as he keeps saying,
1: and there are <laughs> fan
0: groups devoted just to him, which I think he would also love. Of course, he would. He would be that up. so happy to sign autographs and mm-hmm. send out newsletters and stuff like that. Um, yep. <laughs> And Chris says,
1: they're all wrong about him. Yes, I loved that. It's like everybody thinks that they know who he is, but they don't. She's the only one who really knows him. (laughs) I love it. So she's
0: got this prison photo of him where he's winking. Of course he's winking at the camera. But her favorite is one where he's in his new military uniform with his one-sided grin looking confident. And Mm -hmm. crest melts every
1: time. Every, I love it seeing that smile. Crest melted every time. And again, he's in his military uniform. And you and I, both being married to somebody in the military, know that feeling. Like the first, the first time I saw my husband in his uniform, I just about lost it. I melted, (laughs) just like like I was like oh wow you know like it's just different especially especially if it's which it would be in this picture probably um if because it's from his military graduation so he would be in his dress uniform you know
0: my and uh, oh the dress uniform his blues the other day which they don't normally wear them very often and I made him let me take a picture so it could be my new screen (laughs) love it no, it's it's very different when you when you're you know especially like my husband and I met when we were working at Hardee's. So that's a very different uniform. <laughs> yes, it is. But it, it does make them <laughs> look very distinguished, very put together, very mature, confident. Yes. Um And so I get why that would melt her heart and stuff. And yeah, she says hello, Mister Thorne. <laughs> Now, we know he would correct her and say, it's Captain Thorne. Of course. But I just love, hello again, Mr. Thorne, she whispered to the hologram. Then, with a giddy sigh, she turned to the only (laughs) remaining folder. This gives me chills. (laughs) I love it. Me too. The 214 Ranthian Class 11.3. The military cargo ship Thorne had stolen. Crest knew everything about the ship, from its floor plan to its maintenance schedule, both the ideal and the actual, <laughs> everything, including its location. Bum bum bum. Press knows where they are. <laughs> <laughs> Why does not she done anything? <laughs> I know.
1: I was like, wait a minute. She knows exactly where they are, but she told Sybil she didn't know where they were. Right? And Sybil was, like, really upset with her about not being able to find them yet. And Chris was, like, acting all ashamed and embarrassed. And then you're like, hold the phone. She knows where they are. She's uh, lying. She's
0: a good little fibber is what she is. So she was able to find them using galactic positioning grid. (laughs) All right. Which sounds fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she spent her whole life watching Earth, or spent half her life watching Earth from 26,000 kilometers away, and was tempted to hail ships for help when she was younger, but what earthen would trust a lunar? That's right. The Rampian was hovering above the Atlantic Ocean, so it was never near her, and it took her three hours and 51 minutes to find the <laughs> Ramphian. her Aww. greatest challenge to date.
1: I love it. Yeah, because it took her three, uh, almost four hours, whereas the other things do not take her that long (laughs) because she's just such a fantastic hacker.
0: I love that it shows that it was at least somewhat challenging. Yes. Because we know the entire Earth is looking for her. So (laughs) it shows that at least it was like a little bit challenging, like the (laughs) Earth isn't entirely incompetent. (laughs) She had to find them first because she had to protect them. And this is an egg hatch. We speculated before, how would you find a ship that doesn't have a tracker? And Kress reveals her method here. Okay, it had been a question of mathematics and deduction. Using the satellite network to ping signals off all the ships orbiting Earth. Discarding those with trackers, as she knew that the Rampian had been stripped. Discarding those that were clearly too big or too small. That left mostly lunar ships. And all of those were, of course, already under her dominion. She'd been disrupting their signals and confusing radar waves for years. There were many Earthans who believed lunar ships were invisible because of a lunar mind trick. If only they'd known that it was actually a worthless shell causing them so much trouble. Mm. So here's another egg hatch. Well, we found out in chapter one, but I just want to remind everybody that Cinder's useless chanting of hide, rampy, and hide is not what kept them invisible. It was Cress's hard work.
1: (laughs) As if her just chanting that could do it.
0: (laughs) That always cracked me up. (laughs) Just just like hide, be invisible, disappear, (laughs) fade into nothingness.
1: (laughs) What's funny, though, is that Now, I'm not going to say which book it is in case people haven't read it, and I don't want to spoil it. But what's funny is there is a book that I just read recently where that kind of happens. Like the girl, one of the main characters, is trying to hide from somebody, and she just literally says to herself, disappear, disappear. They can't see you. And she becomes invisible. And I was like, what? Can I do that? That would be great. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh.
0: So she said that it's not bad for a worthless shell, which mm-hmm. you're not worthless. It's killing me. If only I know. they'd known it was the work of a worthless shell causing them so much trouble.
1: You're not Another, worthless, a- baby girl. Look at everything you just did. <laughs> she is way more valuable than they realized.
0: In the end, there were only three ships orbiting Earth that fit the criteria. Two of them, no doubt, were illegal pirate ships that landed on the earth immediately because of the, because they knew there was a massive space search going on and no doubt probably got caught immediately as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of here. We're going to get caught. So this is why no one's found the rampion. It's because Cress has been cloaking them, protecting them from anyone finding them. Yeah. And she collapses deliriously happy on her bed. Um, her hair gets caught in the wheel So this is pretty long hair. Yes. And there's a new conspiracy theory to talk about. Okay. (laughs) I love this so much. The conspiracy theorists had been slobbering over themselves ever since the cyborg girl had disappeared. Some said that Lynn Cinder was working for the Commonwealth government, or Queen Lavanna, or that she was in cahoots with a secret society determined to overthrow (laughs) one government or another, or that she was the missing lunar princess. Or that she knew where the Lunar Princess was. Or that she was somehow tied to the spread of Letimosis. Or that she had seduced Emperor Kaito and was now pregnant with a Lunar Earthen Cyborg thing. I love that. <laughs> I love that all of these sound somewhat ridiculous and somewhat plausible. And in the middle is the one that's actually true. Yep, exactly. I think that's so great. <laughs> So one theory is correct. Um, and then there's rumors about Captain Carswell Thorne as well. They included theories on the real reason that he was in prison, such mm-hmm. as plotting to kill the last emperor or how he'd been working with Cinder for years prior to her arrest. Or how he was connected to an underground network that had infiltrated the prison system years ago in preparation for the day when he would require their assistance. This newest theory was suggesting that Carswell Thorne was, in fact, an undercover lunar (laughs) thaumaturge meant to assist Lynn Cinder with her escape so that Luna would have an excuse for starting the war.
1: Oh, my gosh. Essentially, nobody knew anything. (laughs) Which is perfect. I love that sentence right there.
0: Yes. But Crest knew the truth. She knew more about him than anyone else alive. Because he had been a fixture of fascination for her. He's done a lot. When he left the military, he left behind a dozen cadets and two officers on a Caribbean island. That's (laughs) savage. Yeah. You just left behind 14 people on a deserted island. Um, Well, pirate? It doesn't say a deserted island. It just
1: says an island. But still. He's like a pirate. (laughs) Leaving them behind. (laughs) Fucking Barbosa uh, both the strands, Captain Jack Sparrow. Right. The pilot. Everything the except island. the rum, and he seems to be a similar guy. <laughs> Why is the rum
0: gone? Um, okay. Chris, um, he also stole sculptures and dolls. He tried to rob a widow.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, Thorne. That's
0: all just self-destruction. He's actually mm-hmm. really, really sweet. He said a tiger free when he was eight because the
1: tiger looked sad. That is my favorite. This was my favorite one of all of them. Yeah? These. The tiger just, <laughs> he looked sad. I had to let it go. <laughs> Can you picture this? Oh, my gosh.
0: He stole his mom's necklace because he wanted to raise money for the elderly so they could get androids. Oh, my
1: gosh. That's easy.
0: The, uh-huh. These just sound like the bullshit lines you give when you know you've been backed into a corner, but Cress oh, is yeah. up. Yes. She, this I is mean, like you when you're an you're hour late for curfew and your mom is like, it's 930. You're supposed to be home at 8. I was like, I, I thought it was 745. <laughs> you know oh, you didn't think oh, it was 745. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn you said three oh. pages, not two. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and at thirteen, he fought off three boys to get a girl her port screen back. Oh man! But it He's looks like hero. he and he fought. He lost the fight. According,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> according to the school's medroid report, he lost the fight.
1: <laughs> I love that he must. Have I like looked that pretty we have rough. to
0: include that he lost the fight. <laughs> but there was always, oh. even though he had done some horrible things, there was always a heart stopping. Pulse racing,
1: awe-inspiring reason. Oh man, I love that sentence. It just and it just tells you so much about how she feels about him. You know, like this is how she feels in general. Like she just eats that up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like head over heels for this guy. She hasn't even met him.
0: Just desperate for love.
1: Yeah. And companionship.
0: But he's compassionate and chivalrous.
1: Yeah. He's a hero. I mean, he saved that tiger, and he—he yeah. he was getting that girl's port screen back, you know. And he wanted to get uh, Androids for the elderly. I mean, come on! Does it get any better than that?
0: <laughs> this whole oh. last uh, couple of paragraphs, I'm just gonna read because they—I wrote swoon in my notes. Uh, Thank you <laughs> He was exactly the kind of hero Cress had been dreaming about her entire life. With that discovery, thoughts of Carswell Thorne began to infiltrate her every waking moment. So she's (laughs) obsessed. She dreamed of deep soul connections and passionate kisses and daring escapades. She was certain that he simply had to meet her just once and he would feel the same way. It would be like those epic love affairs that exploded into existence and burned white hot for all eternity. This is now is starting to sound like Iko instead of Cress. Yes. <laughs> the type of love that time and distance and even death couldn't separate. Because if there was one thing Cress knew about heroes, it was that they could not resist a damsel in distress. And she was nothing if not in distress. Ah, uh, it is so is- perfect. That is the end of chapter three in oh, all the story. I love it so much. That I I smile reading all of those words with her. I love it. Oh, and I really do think her and Aiko are cut from the same cloth.
1: Oh, completely. <laughs> Aiko, Aiko's maybe a little bit more sassy on the sassy side, but they are definitely uh, could be sisters. Yes. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about song titles. We both chose Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Yes.
1: Because it's perfect. It is perfect, especially when you read this last paragraph that you just read. Yes. And, and I she, mean, the lyrics oh.
0: just, um, I'll, I'll read some okay. of them. I'll read some of the lyrics just so in case people don't know that song, but it's, so
1: uh, Midnight in my wildest. Okay, I'm not going to sing the whole thing. I just love the, but, the one no. line about like, where have all the
0: good men gone? Where are all the gods? Um, yes. But I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. He's got to be strong and he's got to be fast and he's
1: got to be fresh from the fight. I love it. <laughs> These are like, this song is perfect. It's it so great. It makes me think of Thorn in so many ways. And Cress and how she thinks about him.
0: A lot of it, I think also is she's, she's not just saying that she's in distress. She's saying she's a damsel in distress. She yes. knows heroes want damsels in distress. <laughs> she's like, Hey, right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm the damsel. All I need is my hero. Where is he? Where's Come my hero? Me. So yeah. I also chose I can be your hero by Enrique Iglesias, but that is more because <laughs> like she's made In her brain, Carswell Thorne is this magnificent hero, and she's just waiting for him. And then, Rescue Me by Fentella Base. Uh, I I mean, rescue me and take me in your arms because I'm lonely and I'm blue. I need you. Come on. Uh, perfect. (laughs) That's exactly what she's thinking. And your love, I need your love too. Come on and rescue me. Oh, that's so good. So, Patreon members will get to vote on which one of those chapter titles wins.
1: Let's talk about your quote for chapter three. Well, this was su- I mean, okay. I say, I was gonna say super easy, but there were a lot of really awesome lines and quotes in this, but I did end up picking the one at the very end. Because if there was one thing Crest knew about heroes, it was that she- they could not resist a damsel in distress, and she was nothing if not in distress.
0: <laughs> I know. I love it so much. Perfect. And uh, I actually had several that I I almost picked uh, and that was one of them. So it's good that you chose that one. So they're not the same. But yeah, so mine was he was exactly the kind of hero Kress had
1: been dreaming about her entire life. Oh, I love that. And because, too, I think that sums up like every girl, you know what I mean? Like almost every every little girl gets this image in her head of like this heroic man who she wants to come in and sweep her off her feet and she dreams about him all her life and I mean, especially in your teenage years so I love that line, it's perfect Oh yeah, teenage me mm. uh, had very
0: different ideas of love than what reality is uh, <laughs> for oh, sure Oh yeah Definitely. because teenage me watched movies and TV shows and read mm-hmm. books and so everything was all these grand big gestures and that's, that's not really how life is no it's not um, <laughs> Beowulf is grunting if anybody can hear him so obviously I heard he it. agrees <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: next week I was going to be chapters 4 and 5 there were 16 Easter eggs this week so go back take I, a look count them up there were a lot There was one hair and two captains. (laughs) Where can people find YA Book Chat Podcast?
1: I am most active on Instagram. So just put in YA Book Chat and you will find me. Um, I am also on Facebook as well. Um, And then in my Instagram profile, there's a link to my website with all the episodes as well as merchandise that I've just started selling. So, yeah. Yeah. And when are you, when is this one going to air? July 27th. Oh, okay. Never mind. Then I won't say about my logo design contest because it'll be done by then.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, by then we can, you're currently having a logo design contest. But when this episode airs, it will have already expired. So everybody go check out her Instagram page for YA Book Chat
1: podcast and see what the logos were that were submitted. Mm -hmm. Gotten some good ones. And
0: which one won?
1: Yes. Well, actually, I'm going to pick two winners because the purpose of the design contest is not to change my actual logo that I use for everything, but it's to have additional logos for my merchandise. Okay. So yeah, so we'll see. So there's going to be
0: two that you can choose from. That's really exciting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Me too. Super
0: exciting. So listeners rate, review and subscribe to why book chat podcast, of course, rate, review and subscribe to the Prince Kai fan pod podcast and check out Patreon. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. <laughs> Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest is Leah Stoller from YA Book Chat Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Popo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. We got Verizon 5G home internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great end up being not so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station. Ugh. Or when you bought that used sports car. <laughs> what about when we got Billy that drum set? The point is, Verizon 5G home internet sounded great. But turned out to be something else. And we deserve fast, reliable internet. We deserve Xfinity. It's time for better internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts.